for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Seipt. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. I'm Stephen Kabitza here at the Dog Pond Daily Podcast, and I'm joined by Andrew Seipt, who is not feeling great after the Browns fell to 0 and 12. Andrew, any positives from today's game before we get into the negatives I, w- I was a lot angrier about an hour ago or, or whenever that came in I mean watching the ending of that game was was very frustrating the lack of awareness lack of accuracy lack of execution I mean the Browns had the ball what, at the three yard line then a, a holding penalty by Corey Coleman not a Coleman out. drop and then exactly subsequent fumble plays one after another they just can't make big plays to win. I mean, San Diego fumbled down in the scoring zone, and the Browns were not able to jump on the ball in a, in a crucial part of the game. And, and and those are the kind of plays we talked about last week that the Browns just cannot make and, and continue to not make to to gain momentum in any sort of fashion against any team up to this point. And the defense gave up a lot of yards, but, I mean, they kept forcing field goals. And again, with former Browns kicker Travis Coons, who missed the first field goal, Sparking perhaps terrible? a few conspiracy theories. He looked terrible. You see that one? He, I didn't. I didn't even know it went in. I think he knuckleballed. I don't know what happened with one. It literally floated off his foot. Yeah. No, that's it's another. Uh, at least the Browns got rid of him. Good thing he's. I mean, he. Well, I mean, he just know. won today and made what th- three, four field goals. Yeah, good for him. I don't know. They, I, I was thinking the main positive would be the return of Josh Gordon, who looked pretty good for not playing football for three years. Yeah, I agree. Again, it's not enough to uplift, you know, oh, uplift no. the team. But when your your quarterback is completing under fifty percent of his passes again, you know, turning the ball over. I mean, again, that fumble at the end. Like, how much time did he think he had back there that he could just waltz around? And not to mention that that's a one possession game. If he all you have to do is just fall down, and they're going to kick a field goal, hopefully, and you know, at least keeps you in it for the remainder of the game. As soon as that fumble happens, that's game over. And then he throws a pick on the next drive that looked like he wasn't even trying to make it to a receiver. He was just, you know, throwing it in the middle of the field for for shits and giggles. It seems like he just throws to spots, not really receivers. So in that pass, I mean, DeVal was triple covered and someone was even in front of him and picked it off. Really made no sense. But yeah, his accuracy was a problem all day. He overthrew Gordon several times and then he seemed to loft a ball. That was an underthrow to Gordon that could have been an easy touchdown. I mean, they were... They were calling plays for Gordon that, you know, he was blowing by defensive backs like he used to do, which was a good sign, but just couldn't get him the ball ever. Yeah, I mean, did you did you think anything different, though? I mean, did you think that wasn't going to happen? I mean, a guy like that on the field, we saw it first play of the game, we went to him, and then he kind of tapered off a little bit, I would think, towards the end of the first half. But I think, I think there were a, a string of plays in the third and fourth quarter that it was a constant drop back, throwing off your, his back foot, tries, just trying to get the ball to Gordon downfield. When it's, I mean, the Chargers have a bad run defense. Crowell looked like he had been ripping off carries left and right, and now just no, just noticing the the final totals, realizing how little yardage he has. You know, I mean, how many carries did he get for the game? He had ten carries, 
10 carries. And was and, running it well, too. Exactly. I mean, it, there were t- the times that I saw him run, you know, it, he looked to be pretty explosive in moving the ball. And that's that's one thing that helps take pressure off Kaiser. And it just doesn't it doesn't matter. When you have quarterback play that's this bad, it doesn't matter what receivers you have. I mean, you're just – you can't have quarterback play that inconsistent and expect to win a game. I don't even understand it anymore because – and, I mean, I don't understand why Hugh Jackson keeps having his 21-year-old quarterback keep dropping back and throwing so many times. Look at the Bears with Mitch Trubisky. They'll, I mean, they'll be down by any p- amount of points, and they'll keep running the ball. Um, they're not, because they know they're not like a playoff team, not a contender. The Browns just need a win. And dropping back Kaiser that many times is just, after seeing him make so many red zone mistakes all season, it's like it's not going to change. But so Hugh Jackson why, still keeps calling passes. Exactly. I mean, deep in the red I mean zone. you just said it. Why keep calling passes when you're down in the red zone? He didn't he just say a few weeks ago that they were ill-equipped to score or run that many plays that in the red zone. That was last week. Yeah, and then they had it was third and fifty or third and goal from the fifteen, and they they didn't they just they tried to score again on two. I mean they they threw the the ball in the end zone to Gordon, which was tipped away on a good defensive play. Coleman drops that ball right. Am I thinking of the same? I believe the drive, the drive was the either way. Because so I Duke got a head good short. run, holding call, drop. Yeah, same drive. But either way, I mean the, the the play calling, especially on third down. Like how many times in the NFL do we see third and long? You know, just a draw play, something to keep yourself in field goal range, do something. Instead, and, and this is all on Kaiser and a little bit on Hugh Jackson, but just to not have the awareness to throw the ball away or just fall down is is unbecoming especially 11 weeks into the year and every single person in the stadium except Deshaun Kaiser saw that fumble coming oh yeah I mean it we, was, we all saw Bosa coming yeah. from behind it was I mean great defensive play but at the Browns expense nonetheless and you can't I mean I agree with what you said where it's all on Kaiser maybe a little on Hugh Hugh Jackson doesn't expect his quarterback to do that you know just stand back there and get drilled but he has to realize at this point that Kaiser is not really equipped to lead drives in the red zone. But he still keeps calling these plays that just, they don't make sense. After he said they're not equipped to try and go for it from the three-yard line, let alone the 15. Kick a field goal, down six. They they already kicked a field goal when down 12 to make it down nine, which really didn't help much. But it keeps the game alive. It keeps the hope, like you're still fighting for something. Yeah, and then they went for that bum fourth and one call at the beginning of the game. I mean... I get Philip Rivers is tearing you up and you're you're 0 and 11. And you need to do something, but just they can't execute anything. So whenever they do something outlandish, it's always going to backfire because they cannot execute. And we've seen it time and time again. And I don't know if it's just this team if they just need to lay over on offense because they they don't have a signal caller that can get it done. I can't wait until we draft either Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or or, or somebody because it's got to be a little bit different than what we're seeing now, or it can't be much worse. And I didn't think that was the case after watching Cody Kessler last year. Yeah, Cody Kessler, I think some of us thought, man, you know, this team's really bad. Rebuild, he's doing okay, but he's <laughs> worse than Kaiser. The, the, the expectations aren't even that high. Even for Kessler or Kaiser, I mean, it just you can't complete less than 50% of your passes. You can't turn the ball over in the scoring zone and you just got to be able to complete the ball. And and I think a lot of this comes back to Hugh Jackson too. And the play calling, which you've said before, 
he's putting Kaiser in situations where he's either trying to throw four verticals or, you know, something downfield. Well, he's, he's doing nothing to help Kaiser build a rhythm, but Kaiser can't build a rhythm on himself because he's wildly inaccurate. So it's just this vicious cycle of, of terrible offense, which leads to, you know, 10 points for the Browns here and nine points against the Titans and 13 points against the Jets. You know, just a little bit more of output from the quarterback position gets you victories in those games. The confusing thing for me is because there's only 32 starting quarterback jobs in the NFL and the Browns consistently start guys who are drafted late in the draft. Like they they t- they didn't take Kaiser to be the franchise quarterback. They're like, oh, we'll just throw him out there. It, it, like if you are the team this bad and obviously the goal is to find a franchise quarterback because you haven't had it in forever, just take, so- take someone high in the draft to let him start. You put Kaiser out there and it's like, oh, he's no good. Well, yeah, everyone else passed on him o- almost twice. Yeah, Watson, Trubisky, and Mahomes all sat. They were all taken before him. and They all sat for some period of time. Watson only a first half, but I mean – He's pretty good. So I, I just don't see a, a scenario in which the Browns don't take a quarterback at one. Um, Kaiser is just he, – he, he had a great game last week, and he followed up with easily his worst game against, yes, a very talented defense. But there were so many opportunities where he missed plays that could have swung the game in the Browns' favor. I mean, those two touchdowns to Gordon, easy, easy calls. You have simple quarterbacks can make that throw. And this isn't the first time that that's happened. I mean, he's overthrown Treggs, Lewis, Duke Johnson on wheel routes. I mean, this isn't a common occurrence. So it's just it's more frustrating to watch than it is trying to get through those bumps of a, of a developmental quarterback when you just know it's not going to materialize into something worthwhile. And that's a frustrating thing because Kaiser's always had these issues. It wasn't. I don't think it was a big secret. It's the reason why he went in the second round mm-hmm. and not at the top of the draft, as maybe he was projected to go very early in his final season. And you bring him in, you, I mean, we've talked about this on every, every episode since the season started, you name him the starter two weeks before the season begins, he's having these issues, you bench him, sit him during games, all this stuff, and yet, and Hugh Jackson calls plays like it's Tom Brady, and it's just, I'm genuinely confused. Um, Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, and looking back at, at what was, you know, talked about at the time that we were talking about this, like when they drafted him and even before that, because I think one of the first articles I ever wrote for Dog Pound Daily just talked about how the Browns need to draft a quarterback high and just roll with them because it, they've they've never done it since Tim Couch. You know, yeah, you've taken Manziel, Whedon and Quinn at 22. But even then, that's the spot where you're like, eh, maybe he's the guy, you know, you're not you're not hitching your horse to that wagon. And despite you know, Hugh Jackson claiming now that he is all of a sudden in love with Carson Wentz versus or over Jared Goff. And we'll just leave that unturned because I don't even if he was just really quick, even if he was, it's irrelevant. Yeah, like, I don't I, I don't it's pointless talk to talk Carson about because it's point. you don't know what's true and what's not. Yeah, it's just it's really frustrating to listen to just all the bickering between the front office and head coach. And obviously, based on that article, it leads me to believe that. The ownership is going to be in Hugh Jackson's corner, so I'm I'm going to believe we're going to sit through another year of these coaching decisions. But hopefully it's a little bit better from a quality standpoint because he'll be mentoring a guy like Josh Rosen who might be able to actually complete a ball to a receiver. And who could be the starter as soon as he's drafted and not just this crazy competition with a revolving door of people. Well, that's, competition never works. And, and I saw, I think it was... 
our buddy Jake Burns from W. He, he writes for Waiting for Next Year, and he also writes for Believeland Ball about the Indians on Fan Sided. Ah, okay. but he's you know breaks down a lot of film and but go ahead he, with your. Oh, he said something about you know the old adage. Well, if you don't have if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And he's like, well, that never worked for Breeze and Rivers and you know all the, these these t- good tandem two quality quarterbacks. Well, that's not that. That's what not what that analogy refers to. You know, that analogy refers to when you walk into a a Brock Osweiler, Deshaun Kaiser, Cody Kessler room, and you're like, okay, which one of these guys is going to be our starter? None of them, because they all suck. And that's the bottom line. I mean, if you have a room with Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and Mitch Trubisky, yeah, that's that's a competition in which you have three most likely quality starters. Or well, that's a competition. Two. What the Browns have is just whoever's best of the worst exactly and i I, if that's a talent evaluation thing i mean obviously it is but at some point they're just gonna have to go ahead and draft either i mean baker mayfield josh rosen anybody at this point just take him number one and make him your guy and you know we'll that's what i'll live with but i can't i can't sit here and trot out almost a third rounder and say that oh why isn't this guy why, why isn't he leading us to the playoffs it's like well i mean he was throwing the ball inaccurately at the combine when there was no defense so what else did you expect yeah he as much as brian kelly is the worst Deshaun kaiser had a bad final season in college his own coach said he who's seen many players go to the draft said he shouldn't leave for the draft and then this happens it's obviously going to happen i just i just thought of something that i think at the end of the season looking back it's going to be kind of insane a, a hugh jackson decision was starting Kevin Hogan for that Texans game because that was essentially a forfeit. Yeah, and, and I just, if, if you didn't hear, I, I just put my face down on the desk <laughs> because of, again. That's a decision yeah. that's, you got to be like, what what are you doing? Like, there's a reason Kevin Hogan, and Kevin Hogan, by the way, is inactive every week now. He's a third-string quarterback after starting. And is he really that much worse than Kessler? I mean, what we've seen from Kessler, I think Jeff Shadell asked in a press conference, like, why do you keep putting him back there? He gets sacked once every once every series. And it's true. It's true. It's literally true. Sometimes twice. You know, it's 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 so miserable to watch Cody Kessler go back. At least there. Hogan can run if he's the backup. And if Kessler's inactive, he can still help Kaiser during the games and stuff. But at the same time, it's like college kids helping each other. Everyone's yeah. so young. Well, and that's, I mean, even looking back, and so I, I just tweeted this. Someone talked to me about, you know, Josh McCown not being healthy last season or that's why that the Browns got rid of him because I had mentioned you know not only did they pass on Carson Wentz but they get rid of all this vet these veterans especially a guy like Josh McCown who just put up 38 points on the Chiefs today and is leading a Jets team that a lot of people thought was going to be 0-16 to multiple multiple victories and probably a lot more if they had a better defense or if he didn't throw interceptions late game but I mean that's the kind of guy that this team desperately needed and we cut him because for what analytics I mean, again, just another decision that at the time in a vacuum, you look at it and go, okay, that's not that bad. You know, Josh McCown's getting old. He, he, they offered him the quarterback coach job. He didn't take it, wants to still play, wants to see what he has, more power to him. And then you get into the season and you start watching Kaiser go back there and really not have that veteran presence to lean on. Or, you know, even keeping Brock Osweiler around. I know he's not doing well in Denver either, but you're still 0-11. He's still a resource. Well, you're still 0-11, and, and so whether you start Kaiser yeah. or Osweiler, you're, you're still winless. It can't be much worse than it is right now, whether you're starting Osweiler or Kaiser. And if you're paying him anyway, boatloads of money, may as well just have him start, because then if he starts and is bad, the front office and the coaching staff 
looks fine because it's like, hey, you know, we had Brock Osweiler. Um, I mean, the, it kind of hurt the front office, but if their plan was to tank two years all along, it's like that's that's what we expected. But when you start Kaiser, it's supposed to be like, all right, wheels are turning. We drafted a guy. Maybe he can be this guy to, you know, lead the position forward. But then you head into 2018 with two potentially top five picks once the season's over. And Great. really – and, and no, no we're going to have more picks in the first rounds than we've had wins in the last two years. They are. Oh, I saw, awesome. I was like, oh, 0 and 12 is the new 12 and 0, Sashi Brown. <laughs> but they're 4 and 45 since they lost, since the beginning of their losing streak in 2014. I, at some point, you just fall into a win. I mean, even games like this, you ha- it was a, it was a, two possession game in the fourth quarter and the chargers had like 300 more yards of offense than you philip rivers had more passing yards than i think total offense oh easily i mean the browns didn't even have 300 yards total offense philip rivers had 344 so just right there you're not you're not supposed to be in the game and i had him in fantasy and those all those freaking field goals really cost me because they weren't turned into touchdowns but i mean credit to the defense that's the reason why this game was so close moving into the fourth quarter yeah, I saw Anthony Lima of 92.3 The Fan tweeted, like, yeah, eventually you luck into a win. Uh, a running back fumbles the ball into your hands or other team does all this crazy stuff. But the Browns, I mean, their only win in the stretch against the Chargers last year, thanks to a blocked field goal and a missed field goal. So even stuff like that isn't happening. Well, well, that's, that's the... Also, they scored 10 points. That's the problem, too. Those plays that you're talking about, like teams lucking into wins... The Browns just aren't making them. You know, they're 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 there. I mean, uh, yeah, Bonnie Calhoun had a, a pick six last week. Peppers had a pick six that he missed last week. I mean, these plays are there. Two touchdowns to Gordon this week. Another fumble recovery down near like taking Coleman away dropping a right at the goal line pass. holding penalty. I mean, these plays are there, but the players are not executing. And I, to be honest, I really don't want to watch Corey Coleman again. He can't. I, oh, maybe he just needs a reset in the offseason or something to just get his confidence back. But I would rather watch Kenny Britt out right out there right now than Corey Coleman. And I hate Kenny Britt. Hate him. Yeah, and Corey Coleman is another indictment on the front office, too, because there's it's weird. Like I was talking with you before the show, it's either it's Hugh Jackson's fault or it's Sasha Brown's fault. When in reality, it's both. And you look at it, say, say I was a it's all Sasha Brown's fault. And one of his defenders says, well, look at these draft picks. It goes, well, he spent. He took the number two pick and traded down several times to draft Ricardo Lewis and company and took Corey Coleman, supposed to be our number one receiver, and isn't. Our number one receiver was a guy in rehab who I'm glad is back and hopefully will be here for a bit and do well. But you took him with your first-round pick when the Eagles did the opposite. and Maybe you retweeted this, or someone did. It was they traded up. Yeah. And that was their move. But the Browns, like, they're acquiring these assets and they're just not using them properly. The Eagles didn't have any wide receivers. The Eagles had less talent on their roster than the Browns did before they let all those free agents go. Okay? So moving into that offseason where the Browns had the number two pick, the Eagles had a worse roster than the Browns. Yet the Browns decided that, okay, this team won four games. Let's let everyone go. And just start fresh. Let's ignore quarterback completely, which makes no sense. And Philly is in the same thing. I mean, they had just fired Chip Kelly, hired Doug Peterson. That That is a, a complete same stage of rebuilding. 
yet the Eagles chose to go after the quarterback first, succeeded, courtesy of the Browns, and now the Browns are here, you know, one win in the last 28 games. So if the next regime comes in and tries to tell me that, you know, a quarterback, you can build the team around the quarterback and fit the quarterback in, you're, you're, you're wrong. Yeah, and I think when the rebuilding process started, our mindset was, oh, they're going to grab a quarterback right away because that's what you do. You you rebuild or like the Colts, you rebuild around Andrew Luck or you re- or do even do what the Redskins do. You rebuild around RG3 and Kirk Cousins. You take two of them. Well, a lot of people use the Colts as an example of why not to build around the quarterback. But that's a different then, situation. That, that, well, no, that that again, the team is good because yeah. of Andrew Luck. And so whether the GM is able to provide the supporting talent in terms of, you know, good players around that quarterback, that's not on Andrew Luck. You know, that whether or not he's got Philip Dorsett or T.Y., like anybody out there, Andrew Luck is going to get that team to 7 to 10 to 11 wins. And he, he also has took him to the playoffs. Pass. Exactly. He did that right after a 2-14 and 14 season. And there's the only type of quick turnaround you see in the NFL is, is from quarterback play. And, and it's clear and it's clear as crystal, black and white, clear as crystal, all right here. Proof and evidence that the Browns have done the rebuild wrong. And the Eagles are 100% proof that that's how you do it. As long as you it, find the guy. It's weird, too, because I'm watching games and I'm seeing the standings and I go, huh, the Vikings, the Rams, the Saints, they're all playoff teams. They're all dominating. You got the usual Patriots and Steelers and that. But you see these so much turnover in the standings every year because that's how the NFL set up. I mean, you get a high draft pick. That should realistically be a building block for 10 years given the person stays healthy. And yet I have no hope that this team will even win – three or four games next year and it or even if any the same because they could really if jimmy has them fought cleaned house and they brought in just like a someone who runs a normal philosophy of front office management maybe just an average coach they'll win three four five games and it's bad that that's <clears throat> that's the baseline that we need to go off of <clears throat> the problem is well I, again i don't think that hugh jackson is going to get fired so hopefully next year when we draft that quarterback that his scheme changes a little bit so he starts to you know try to make it easier on that rookie than he has for Deshaun Kaiser maybe he uses that as a learning experience but one thing that we re- that I really liked was out in LA what they did with Jared Goff bringing in Sean McVay and you know Kirk Cousins had a great year last year he's kind of he's still putting up good numbers but you know hasn't had that same spark that he had last year what with McVay as offensive coordinator and even looking at a, a team like Atlanta, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan was there last year. Matt Ryan tears it up. He leaves, goes out to, uh, you know, San Francisco, and Jimmy Garoppolo gets their first win. It, it really depends on how good or how you can scheme your offense around the quarterback, and I, that's severely lacking from he, both Hugh Jackson and the fact that he doesn't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I hope that a rule set down by Sashi Brown, if he gets to stay too, is that Hugh has to hire an offensive coordinator next year. You think that? You think Sashi's staying? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think he get Haslam will give him. Let me say, I think Jimmy Haslam will give him another half year, in the sense of if they start zero and eight next year, done. Or if, but <laughs> no the thing way. that makes this the thing that makes this offseason tricky is if they finish zero and sixteen, someone's got to go. You're going to give Sashi Brown eight more games next year and an entire offseason to, 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 to think that. I'm not. I'm saying I think around. Jimmy Haslam will. 
I, I think Sashi, I think he's got it. He sits Sashi down and says, you know, thank you for your service. Uh, if you want to retain your job, your previous job, not handling talent evaluation, fine. But we're going to bring in someone who knows what the hell they're doing because you've set this team back, you know, five, 10 more years versus every year that we drafted a guy in the first round that didn't pan out, it set us back two or three years. The fact that we've traded away, traded out of two picks that are franchise quarterbacks, I think sets you back even farther, unless you find the guy next year or whenever you're used, utilizing those picks to draft a freaking quarterback. Yeah. And that happened in another sport where the draft is more of a crapshoot with the Indians. Their drafting for like 10 years was god-awful in the new millennium. And then they got a new um, person to handle the scouting who now just got promoted, who drafted Lindor, who drafted guys like he took prospects to flip them in trades. And just did really well, and now they're a consistent contender. And, you know, the football, where me and you go, oh, they should just draft Carson Wentz. (laughs) And it's so much easier. And here we are. Like you said, they're set back. But even – I think they're set back 10 years if, like, this group was there. But really, football is crazy. You could bring in a new group of people, and they win six, seven games. Just because you win the close games. Sashi Brown could have stayed at every – pick not made a single trade and probably followed a Mel Kuyper mock draft and made better picks than what he did especially in that top five not only did you trade out of number two with Carson Wentz you went back to eight and missed out on the the top four of oh wait this is a different year or no it's the same year Jared Goff Carson Wentz Joey Bosa Ezekiel Elliott uh who was the fifth I don't remember the fifth but either way if you're going to – you couldn't just stay at two. If you didn't want Carson Wentz, you couldn't take Ezekiel Elliott. You couldn't take Joey Bosa. Bosa. Oh, those guys wouldn't have been good here, so we, we can't take them. Well, imagine if they got Bosa you. and Garrett on opposite sides. Uh, yeah, what could have been, right? You know, It's like but, Bosa and Ingram. I mean, Agba's good. I'm not going to cut Agba short, but again, yeah. I, no, I, I would rather take – you know that, that San Diego defense right there is much better than the Browns, and, and for anyone that thinks this is a top-10 defense – they're sadly mistaken. I don't it's know what not. total yardage metric. Fine. You know, that's what happens when you can hold the jets to, you know, a 200 yards and, and still give them the game on 17 points. So uh, this team's got to get two corners, one in the draft. Yeah, I really want Mika Fitzpatrick, but they've got to sign one. They've got to draft one. They've got to do something back there and get maybe a free safety. So Jabril Peppers can stop playing off the uh, 480 bridge whenever they're in Cleveland. I was trying to think of a landmark in, in uh, Los Angeles, Lake. but I, Los Angeles, but I couldn't find one. I almost said San Diego. So I get, well, are, are we going to get crap from our, uh, our, our San Diego fellowship? Oh, or from, from, from Stu, Stu, our loyal listener, Stu. I don't even know if he still likes the chargers anymore, but I'm sure he was tuning in because he wanted to watch them beat the Browns. I thought you were going to say, I don't even know if he still listens to the podcast. <laughs> I was wondering if we were just a fleeting memory of the our Foley Alabama crew just after a, a, sh- a short <laughs> stint. <laughs> oh, no. It's forever. But, yeah, we're talking about, I mean, I look at that draft, and it's every draft. You say, oh, we missed out on these guys. But it's even worse when you trade out as part of an orchestrated plan. It's like they had a plan to suck. Like, all right, and you know what they do? They do what I do in fantasy drafts. They go, they go. All right, third round. I don't care. I'm taking this guy. And then, then everyone's like, "Why did you take?" And then you get the Yahoo sends you the email like Stephen reached in every single round. I'm like, because I don't, I don't care. It's fantasy football. 
<laughs> I want Aaron Rodgers, number one overall pick. But you can't do that in real life. You can't say, oh, well, you know, third round? You know who we like? Cody Kessler. I think everyone else is going to take him. Let's take him now. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> what are you doing? No one will take him for two rounds. So what if we outsmart everyone and take, take him, him two now. rounds before? And yeah, take him now. That way no one else can get him. That's the strategy. Uh, I... <sighs> It, it, they make me they make me get an ulcer. They hurt <laughs> watching them play because, especially on offense, it's just so bad. And like <clears throat> maybe with what happened in L.A., like I said with Sean McVay, that you bring in somebody that can turn it around. But like again, I just don't see that with Hugh Jackson because he's running out of excuses at this point. Kaiser's ob- the obvious you know glaring weak spot. Gordon's back at wide receiver. Coleman's. I don't like him, but it, it's not like they don't. It's not like they're trotting out Higgins and Lewis there every week with no other options. Devalvin and Joku are playing very, very well, or making plays at least. And the running game, I think Duke Johnson touched the ball ten times, nine times today. Like, he had seven carries for two yards, but all those carries were just horrible. It was like out of the shotgun. I don't understand how you can't scheme the ball in his hands. Get him the ball. He had, I think his first catch was like for 10 yards and he did like break dancing. Like it was, it was crazy what he did. His best, his best play of the day was called back in a holding penalty too. Yeah. From Corey Coleman. <laughs> so I, it, just one of those. And I, I try to power through. I really am. I'm trying to power through this and it's impossible to not be negative because all of the positives like, Oh, Joe Schobert's playing well. Oh, Sean Coleman's playing well. Oh, these people great. You out can really acknowledge well pro- that they're playing well, but still be like, yeah, this oh, yeah, like Larry Ogunjobi is graded as the best interior run def- defender. Cool. I, I mean, we're own 11. I don't care. 12. I, I would rather have every single pro football focused player, not grade well, but then win games. than then grade out well on pro football focus individually. And, and still lose games because that's all that is. It's individual statistics. It makes no, I mean, it has no context behind what's actually going on in the game. It's, I guess that's what it's for, but you can, you can parlay stats to look at or to, to prove any point that you want. Yeah. People are weird. And I, I'm going off unregulated Twitter research where it's, I feel like some people would almost rather have Sashi Brown's draft picks play well and the team go winless than the team win every single game by the score of like six to five. Oh, with ugly game. Guy, yeah. And they're like, I mean, like, like they'd be upset with wins, but the, but it's like, well, I mean, yes, j- those players are playing well, but it's if you don't win games, it's it's irrelevant when you're trying to you know turn the franchise around. Well, it's I mean, I see the tweets like, oh, look at this young core of Gordon Coleman, Joku, Deval. Yeah, that's awesome, but we have that right now. Why can't we like? Why can't we win with it? Why? It's not hard. We're, Oh, for the Browns, it is hard. But, I mean, teams are winning all over the place. Every other team in the NFL with has a win except scores. the Browns. How can we continue to do this? The Giants almost won with Geno Smith today. They lost by touchdown. The Browns lost by nine, and, they had, like, and they're not starting Geno Smith. Geno's terrible. I mean, what, I, I, I just can't vouch for this team anymore and, and continue to come on here and say that things are going to be okay. It's all going to be good. Can't wait till the draft. Can't wait till free agency. And it's just, uh, it's weird hating your favorite team. I, can't, I I hate them, but I love them. I just want to. Well, yeah. yeah, it's it's like people you're angry because you care, and that's everyone I think who's either a Sashi basher, or Sashi like a fan of Sashi, anything. You you're angry because you want them to be good, and it's like guys, what are you doing? Looking Why? back at. 
I would say looking back at every decision, like I said, that's been made in co- with the context of them being zero and eleven, you're just like, man, zero and twelve. By the way, you keep saying zero and eleven. Zero and twelve. See, I just don't even. I don't care until they win. It's zero and whatever. It I remember too matter. back in March. Me and you were like, yeah, that trade for Brock Osweiler is smart. They do it in basketball. And I, I remember being like, all <laughs> a right. A baseball yeah. guy and a lawyer executing a base- basketball trade. That's <laughs> like, need. yeah, uh, I like it. I just, you know, I'm assuming they're going to keep him because they're paying him $16 million. Wouldn't really make much sense. So if they get rid of him, that'd be weird. <laughs> and they cut him. Like Not trade him. before the season. Cut him. Like, they, like if they were going to cut him, why didn't they just do it, you know? John Elway signed Brock Osweiler for eight hundred some thousand dollars instead of giving him fifty million. He's a genius. That's well, they a... still stink, but oh yeah, they're worse than the Browns. I think they're worse than the Browns. Even well, they've though they have lost more talent. They've lost nine in a row, I think. Yeah. Well, that's another perfect example of how you, you good. Go ahead and build the best defense possible. It's not going to win you any games. Can't score. <laughs> they got whooped by Jay Cutler today. Miami, though. Miami. How many? It was a 35, 38 Did they put up? It was. I bad. mean, for a team that's so bad on offense, that's led by Jay Cutler and Jarvis Landry. I mean, that's about it. They traded Ajayi away. Although their running backs, you know, without Ajayi, seem to be pretty darn good or did so today. But thirty-five to nine. I mean, yeah, build the defense all you want, but you're still going to have games where not everyone comes to play, and you're you're going to need the offense to carry you and. <laughs> Even even on a day where the defense could bend but not break, the offense was still so inefficient that they couldn't put up more than 10 points. I think we should probably wrap it up before we go for nine hours uh, yeah, where gotta, you go through every single draft pick with a grade of go, F. Uh, I got to go watch Carson Wentz and my fantasy team. Oh, yeah. That's all I care about at this point is Carson Wentz and my fantasy team. So... I might just because I care fan. about life or Carson Wentz. I'm gonna buy a Carson Wentz jersey shirt and just wear it. I'm gonna wear it every day after the Browns play and be like, "You okay, should buy Carson, a Browns a custom Car- Browns jersey with Carson Wentz on Wentz. the back." <laughs> and to wear it to games a, and be like, not a top twenty QB on the front. Number twenty. <laughs> yeah, that is all for us. We will be back later this week to preview the matchup between the Browns and the Packers. Ooh, will they Brett win? Hundley versus Sean Kaiser. <laughs> Gonna be a barn burner here. Gonna be a good game. Yeah, that was all for us. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and thank you for listening.